welcome to Buenta Vista. I am Andrew. I'm joined by Ben. Hey. That's that energy I love, Ben. What's up? <laughs> what's, what's up, everybody? Hey. Hey. You can hear the studio audience going wild they uh, love for it. that. Yeah. But uh, if you want, if you really want energy, if you want the real star of the show, of course we're talking about Theo. Hey, baby. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, new, just a new thing to. that I'm going for. Just thinking it could be my thing. I like it. What do you reckon? Um, you like it? Yeah, I like it. Uh, I kind of in my my butthole involuntarily <laughs> kind of puckered up a bit <laughs> in a sort of uncomfortable way. But it's probably it's probably just because it's new, you know. That's yeah, look, we'll, we'll give it a spin. Not because we'll it's bad. It for, Not because it's bad. Yeah, we'll try it for twenty, thirty episodes and yeah. see how it pans out. Slightly different inflections and delivery every time, you know. And we are joined by a guest, uh, returning for the third time, tying him with Matt Brady for most appearances on the podcast. We can't get rid of the guy. <laughs> we are joined by a beautiful friend of the show, Tim. Woo! Woo! <laughs> I put my own air horn because there wasn't enough energy in the room. Can't just line up your own air horn, jeez. I don't know if that's, yeah, that should be illegal, surely. We're we trying to run to a professional operation here. Clearly. Now, <laughs> Thank now, you for having me on your show. Suck shit, Matt. Please, go on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like I to play favourites. I said tired. I don't that's like to enough. play favourites with the guests, so I will just say hello. Thank you, Theo, and hello to you as well. Mm. Okay, well, I don't enough, play of, favorites enough of with that, those. so let's just, yeah, we'll just calm down. steamy <laughs> Jeez, so, uh, if you are familiar with Tim from any of his previous appearances on the show, and you might not be, you might not be. You could have just dropped in. You could have just dropped in to say hi, and here you are uh, at a real the sausage first party. You've ever listened to? Hello, it's so good, <laughs> good to have you here. Good day to you, and if you are with someone else, um, and to you, that's <laughs> that. That part's directed to the second person. If you're in a car full of people, hey. All of you guys. Hey, everybody. Loving it. Yeah. This seems turn, like a weird Turn thing to, to do. each other as well and look each other in the eye uh, and say hello to one another. Don't break on eye contact, not even to look at the road. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, if you're, if you're in that seat in the middle, uh, look to your left and then look to your right. One of you is going to die before you reach your destination. It's like a really grim TED talk Jesus. all of a sudden. And don't look at your phone because you might be fined $400 like our friend Duke Latham was. For friend of the show, Duke Latham, incredibly mad online. For about, looking at um, his phone uh, when stopped at an intersection. Wow. Slugged, slugged $400. And it wasn't Oof. even at the Bowser. <laughs> but it was at the hip pocket. <laughs> oh, my oh. goodness. My I get goodness. it. They get you. They get you in the same place. Yeah, people, people know what we're talking about. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's the pocket on the hip. Yep. Yeah. Let's not get back into uh, where people carry their wallets. I don't want to open up that, that whole can of worms again. People were responding to us with absolute just madness. I keep my wallet in the front left and my watch goes on my right ankle. And then I just... Just outrageous. Sounds like stuff. a Jordan Peterson. Yes. I wrap my coins in tinfoil and place them gingerly under my sack. Just no good, the stuff people were coming at us with. Wild. The, the wallet goes in the back pocket. Ridiculous. Like interesting tips coming out. Right. I'm going to have to go find that discussion. 
<sighs> Unless you're driving and the wallet goes in the front pocket, keys <sighs> go in the ignition. <laughs> How are we? Anyway, Tim is back. <laughs> Tim is back. Increasingly regretfully. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're here now. You can't yeah. leave. That's true. There's no way to leave a podcast no once, we've closed, once we've closed the door of the, of the podcast I mean, except studio. for me, I sometimes leave accidentally multiple that's times true. an episode. But Constantly. that's fine. I've stopped doing that. I haven't done that for a while. So, <sighs> um, so Tim. Yes. I understand you've written a new piece for Polygon. I have occasionally they, uh, you know, uh, uh, allow me to put my words on their website after a vigorous sub-editing process, and uh, that 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 has happened once again. And, and then, uh, and then the yelling about, begins. Yes, the yelling always begins. <laughs> this piece is about why uh, game developers need to unionize, um, which uh, they do, and uh, the the article explains why. And I won't be going into any further detail on it. Because you can simply read it. Well, thank you for thank joining you, us. Yeah, great, always <laughs> a pleasure, guys. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think I actually, you know, I, I remember I talked about this the last time I was on, but I said that you know one of the things that I was hoping to work on in the next year. I don't know when the fuck I was on your podcast. It was 2017, uh, but like Feels I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to start working on unionizing game developers, and that's that's you know kind of building off that. So. Um, you know, with, with me and some other great people in um, around Australia, just, you know, I guess uh, people like Felicia and Mays and, and um, we got some help from uh, existing um, unions like the Media Alliance and Professionals Australia. Um, you know, we've all kind of been getting some momentum on the ground here and, and internationally as well. It's all kicking off. So there's a lot of really interesting and cool stuff happening in the world of unionized game development. So, I mean, it's probably good to, like, step back initially Yes. Um, I mean, I, I assume that people may be a little bit aware of just how shitty it is to be a game developer, but can you kind of lay, you know, describe the scene? Um, you're sure. A ga- you're a game developer. You've you've started. Uh, you've been assigned um, a five pixel by five pixel area uh, in Assassin's Creed Nineteen. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. just the horse's nuts in Red Dead Redemption yeah, 2. That's right. You're working on yeah. the on the horse's nuts in Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, Testicle designer. You're yeah. on, yeah, you're, you're an overseas, um, like, sister um, studio working out of Australia. What might that look like? Oh, well, I mean, let me just stop you there, sir, and say that the global financial crisis killed any of that. Mm. <laughs> uh, so we, we certainly don't have any of any of that happening in Australia anymore, unfortunately, um, which is a, a huge pity. But what that would look like in Australia in, in this hypothetical scenario where uh, our, our industry wasn't obliterated by the global financial crisis um, is, you know, we're talking uh, we're talking probably minimum 60 hours a week for most people. Um, we're talking weekend work, especially towards the end of a project, maybe seven days a week if you're going in the hard crunch. Um, we're talking no, uh, you know, no or very little um, compensation for that kind of overtime, and we're talking people who have convinced themselves that working this hard and working this long and, and working until you, you know, you, you get RSI or carpal tunnel and, and you burn out and leave the industry is all normal and to be expected. And in fact, the the uh, necessary price to pay for being involved in, in the magic of video game creation, the literal sorcery and alchemy. That is the creation of a video game, um, and 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 that's basically the, the picture of the games industry. We took overwork, underpayment, exploitation, 
and just tons and tons of, of willing uh, willing capitulation to that. Right. So, but I mean, if you didn't like love love video games, then you, I mean, what are you doing there in the first place? But uh, and also, but if you do love video games, it must just be like I don't know, like a dream come true or something. I think. And oh yeah, definitely. You should, you, probably... should, you, should, you should just shut up if anyone ever asks you, you know, why, why you're not home that's, on the weekends. That's right. Because, like, I mean, you know, it's just, you're just lucky to be working alongside such the, the raw act of, of magical creation that and, is, you know, <laughs> stitching pixels together. And so, how, how does that, so, so that, that's what it may look like, like in Australia, but, but your piece sort of goes into the, the global situation. So, like, yeah. how, how, does that, how does that look for, for, like, developers in the US and, and, um, you know, other um, kind of first world countries that we're... Um, it's, a lot, it's a lot worse for game developers in the US. I mean, to, to, to briefly, you know, touch on, on the Australia issue, like after the global financial crisis, basically Australia now has just mostly indie developers um, and small, small developers, you know, studios of 10, 20, 30 people. There are only a couple of big name studios. So if you really want to look at the, the you know, Australia is... Like I'm not trying to downplay our unionization efforts here, but by and large, uh, it's more small businesses over here. Over in the US, particularly in Canada and the UK, it's when you start to hit those real AAA development houses, the rock stars, you know, the Microsofts, the EAs. Um, and that, that's where these labor issues like crunch and, and overwork and underpayment and exploitation and stuff really start to show up. Like, I mean, we all saw, or at least I hope we all did, the, like, you know, the, the rock star people talking about working 100-hour weeks, you know, and, and, and then backpedaling and saying, oh, no, only only a few of us worked 100-hour weeks because we really wanted to. And, and you know, the Telltale Games being shut down just before the end of last year and with no severance pay, like all that kind of stuff, these are the issues they're facing, you know, like the total lack of job security. When you do get a job, it doesn't pay very well and you're expected to work yourself in the ground. Um, and then you move on again. You've got no health insurance. You've got uh, no nowhere to, to go. Um, and, you know, especially if you're uh, increasingly, if you're a member of like the queer or trans community, you know, you just face an amount of harassment from within and, and without game studios. And often you can find that a studio just throws you under the bus if you're causing any amount of trouble or, or if you're the target of a, of a hate mob on Facebook or whatever, they'll just throw you under the bus rather than try and actually deal with the problem. So, so there really are a lot of moving parts to it. But basically, it's just a, a, a nightmare of unregulated work. It's the, the Silicon Valley experience. The thing that like you, you're talking about, like you know having to pick up and start again and that sort of thing, I mean, everyone's kind of like very... Um, it, it's front of mind for a lot of people with with Rockstar at the moment, but mm. like you don't, I don't think you have to think that back back that far for like. Um, do you remember like EA Spouse? Yeah, EA Spouse was a big. I mean, that was two thousand and one or two, wasn't it? I think like. Uh... And, and like, I don't think necess like no, nothing's changed for the better, right? So the deal with with EA no. Spouse was someone was like, you know, oh my my spouse works for EA, you know, here's the shitty stuff that we have to go through, and, and she described basically, I think, the same scenario that you're, that you're talking about now, where like you work and then you finish up a project, right? And here, here's another like this is a big thing for me. Like I think we talk a lot about the the like amount of hours that you do as a game dev and like the crunch and that sort of thing but mm. one thing that, that i don't think people people are like really well aware of is like when it finishes up um, and especially in america where their labor laws are so lax um the project finishes up and they don't need these people anymore yeah that's right right that's so like right. 
So, like, it was quite systematic for EA especially for projects to... They'd move people across the country, a project would finish up, and then suddenly you're left on the other side of the country with nobody that you know kind of just sitting there going, like, well, do I just... Do I kill myself now? Is that the, <laughs> is that the like, next, yeah, next step? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's know. exactly what happened with Telltale as well. Like, when, when Telltale collapsed, um, you know, there were a lot of employees saying, hang on, I just, I just relocated, like, three months ago. Yeah. Um, you know, Oof. and 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 that kind of stuff is like, you know, there are really two different ways you can look at it. There's, there's the people like EA who they knowingly hire a big swell of people and then they they basically expect to fire them again, which is a terrible business model. Um, and then you've got the Telltale model where they hire a bunch of people and they know they're not going to be able to support them because no business analyst or no one who actually knows how to run a business suddenly runs out of money one day. Uh, they would have seen it coming a long time ago, but they just decide not to tell their staff. Um, so, you know, like, you, you, there's two different models there and they both fucking suck ass. Um, but but that is the way the games industry is at the moment. Um, and I say at the moment because obviously, you, you know, there are a lot of attempts to, to try and change that. Um, but that is the way it is at the moment. And that's one of the biggest issues is that there is no stability. And that's why game developers burn out of their own industry. Like some of the stats that I quoted in that article, like, Game developers change jobs every 2.2 years or something. Um, and here in Australia, like, you know, we, we could barely get one in four people to actually recommend the industry to a friend. Um, they just don't do it. Like, it's a hell industry. I mean, I personally know people who have have left game development and just gone on to work at fucking Hewlett Packard or whatever. And, you know, they've quadrupled their salary and then halved the amount of time they have to work. Like, it's a no-brainer, you know? Why would you put yourself through this after a while, you got to say like, this is taking too much of a toll. Like there's no reason for me to be here. I'm, I'm a crazy person. Yeah. Um, like, so, so that, that sort of reminds me a bit of, um, so very, very recently, um, um, I'm going to get his name wrong here, but Brian Bucklew, I think, um, who is one of the, the guys that, that made, um, the game caverns of could, um, oh, yeah, which is yeah. a very cool game. I would highly recommend checking that out. It's sort of like a, um, 2D roguelike um, thing that's on Steam. It's been I'm in early access for ages. Come over to my house and show me how to play it good. Right, because well, Lord well, knows if you I've can, tried. If you can teach me while I'm teaching you, then um, <laughs> that makes beautiful. the world go around. Um, and he posted, you know, exactly the same thing that you, that uh, that you've just brought up, where he said, "Well, you know, if I go and work for for an enterprise IT job, I could be wor- earning four times as much as I do now," and um, and I want to kind of like get to the reactions later, right? But I think, like, I'll just say that that the people in his mentions going like, "Well, that's supply and demand, you big dumb oh, fucking yeah, idiot, dipshit!" Like, like you're so close. You're you're close. <laughs> you you're you're so you're so close. You just so close. I just want you to I just want you to just chew on that point a little bit a little bit longer until you kind of understand the the real taste of kind of what what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, like that's the. I think every game developer, it's, it's easy for some game developers to move than others. You know, like that's that's one of the issues that, that a lot of them face. Like if you're just a programmer, I don't say just a programmer, I like to downplay it. But if you're a programmer, oh no, no, you pro- go right, you, you know, go right ahead. Yeah. Oh yeah, programmers fucking, are, if you're a piece of shit, of fucking earth. programmer. <laughs> fucking who would? Um, human who would garbage. Program? If you're a human garbage golem programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's easier to transfer your skills to the enterprise IT workforce, right? But if you're like, if you're a, a, a game designer who's spent 
fucking six years, uh, you know, refining your strategies for, for developing like combat routines and, you know, working out all this stuff that that's really not applicable in the IT sector. Um, you're kind of trapped. Uh, and those skills just don't transfer over super well. So there's a lot of people who are involved at a more like gamified level who don't have that ability. And they're really a lot more reliant on the industry to kind of look after them because they don't have that safety net. Um, and then they're some of the people that we're trying to really reach out to. So um, you say, yeah, yeah, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I wasn't, I'm trying to remember where I saw a piece recently about the game Slime Rancher. Oh yeah. 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 yeah they limited their work hours um, deliberately. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm kicking myself because I can't remember what publication it was, but, um, Part of what they were saying was, you know, that they're, they're going to start trying to make an effort to... That was Waypoint. Waypoint, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, they were saying we're, we're you know, going to start making an effort not just to cover, like, the failings of the game industry, but to highlight, um, to highlight individual cases of where people have shown that doing it correctly can work. Yeah, absolutely. And I um, think this, like, segues neatly into Dead Cells, which is something I was going to bring up. Um, oh, yeah. You know, which, which is, like, Dead Cells, you know, made up by, like, a, a an, an almost anarchist. I think it's, it literally is an anarchist studio, of, like, at a co-op with no bosses. Yeah, yeah. Um, And making this, like, game that basically just sold, I think, 20 jillion copies and is universally beloved. That's the official... Um, yeah, it's good numbers. You know, yeah, <laughs> fucking big numbers. Um, so, like, you know... It, it, it really, and like they themselves, you know, and, and we got to, you know, we got to provide some context here. Like they themselves said, we don't think our studio model would work at the scale that a AAA company operates. Um, and that's fair. Like, you know, there are definitely organizational challenges, but like, I think it should provide inspiration to people to say, listen, you don't have to do it the standard hierarchical top down way at every company, not just for game development, but for any company in the world. Like, you don't have to have the same quiet little dictatorship um you, you can actually explore other models and and certainly like when you look at the success of dead cells and slime rancher and stuff it's like you don't have to do it this way you know like it, it's okay like you, you can try other ways it doesn't matter if the game is a month late or whatever i mean you know there are obviously people dwelling on the very lowest levels of the internet for whom it does matter if the game is a month late but those people can eat my ass hmm. um it, it's it's really okay to delay your game slightly while you figure this stuff out. Like it works a more sustainable model in the long run, and, and the problem with the industry at the moment is it's not sustainable. Well, there's there's an interesting parallel that you kind of draw out in the in the article, which like when when you talk about you know potentially that sort of model not being scalable for a AAA game, it kind of makes me think of the parallel between uh, like you know. Disney and Marvel Studios making an Avengers movie, which would constitute, you know, thousands of people working on, um, you know, two hours of footage over the course of several years versus, say, you know, a, a really small indie movie with a, with a low budget and that sort of thing where conceivably you could say, well, um, you know, conceivably you could say, the, the really small group of people, it would be much easier to say, let's do this thing as a co-op or whatever. Although, by the same token, like with a lot of small businesses, it's a lot easier in those situations to say, oh, this thing's a labor of love and we're all gonna, mm. we're all gonna dig deep and, yeah. you know, 
do this unpaid overtime together and we'll all reap the benefits and then you know it does well and everybody else can fuck off and the person who fronted the most money gets the benefits whereas yeah. whereas like yeah what what was the the interesting parallel that you drew was that um there are other industries like television and film which are large collaborative products in media mm. where everybody is unionized yeah this is something i really wanted to, to get across in the article was you know like um and this is something that you know i full credit to polygon on this like that was actually in their their pitch to me they were like listen you know we actually want to pitch you a story like we know there's a lot of unionized work around media you know can you do some groundwork and speak to them and then you know find out what they think and i was like yeah absolutely of course um and you know like polygon is unionizing themselves like they have a box union um and they're very aggressive internally. Box Union's been doing some really good stuff. So they understand how the you know, media unionization process works. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, one of the, the things that came out immediately on speaking to all these, these people from various media unions like IATSE and SAG-AFTRA and stuff was that, you know, these guys are just bewildered that anyone would think they're having these unique issues. Um, like, if, if, if you've been involved in the game unionization I'm just going to use the word discourse. Um, you know, you always get told like, oh, you know, this industry is so unique, it's special, it's it's so magical, you know, the, well, the way other unions work won't apply here. And then, you know, you, you get on the phone to these other unions and, and you say, oh, yeah, I'm dealing with crunch. And they say, oh, yep, yep, we're dealing with crunch. And you say, I'm dealing with, um, you know, people being exploited by being told that they're it's a labor of love. And they're like, oh, yep, 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 we do that too. I'm like, oh, we're dealing with... Um, insecure contracts like oh yeah well we are as well um and blah 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 it's all the same issues you know like oh it's short-term work oh well we're also doing short-term work and, you know well, yeah, like, it's, like it's all exactly the same and, and yeah you like, could conceivably find a parallel for anything that you were doing as work for a like triple a game studio yeah for anything that you were doing on a really big budget hollywood movie 100 percent. like you know and, and that's what these guys were saying they were like well we do this all the time um, and we have strategies that work, you know, like we've developed a way of, of organizing healthcare in the US, for example, where healthcare is a nightmare. Um, you know, we've developed a way of organizing standard rates for hourly work contractors, you know, all this stuff. And, and like, it's just lessons that the games industry, or not the industry, because the industry knows all the people in charge know, they know. But it's something that the game workers themselves need to learn. Like they need to learn that they have kindred spirits in these other industries who know what they're going through and can offer them advice and support. Um, and that's you know really what the article was all about. Is to say, look, it, it can work. Like it's not impossible. Like and uh, you know, admittedly there are things like you know you can't buy DLC for a movie, right? Not yet, anyway. Um, you can so buy like, a collector's edition Steelbook Blu-ray. You can, uh, and you should. You should definitely do that. Support your local <laughs> Blu-ray store. Uh, but, um, like, you you know, so you would have to work out, like, oh, well, who gets the royalties in a particular DLC case? Like, is it the people who developed that particular bit of DLC or is everyone who's working get the DLC, you know, the royalties, you know? So there's obviously, like, there are some things you would have to smooth out. Like, it's, it's not a one-to-one -one transition, but it is a 99.99% overlap. And, you know, if the workers want to figure out those details, well, then they should just figure out the details. Like, no one's going to make a model for them. Like, it's, it's not going to spring fully formed out of the ground. This is something that the workers are going to have to get around a table and say, how are we going to do this in a way that we want, in a way that is most fair to us? And then they're just going to have to do it. Like, that's how it's been done in every other industry forever. 
and game workers, you know, that, like a, this is something I really want to take away. If, if you're listening to this game workers, is like you can, you just have to dream it into being. <laughs> you have to, you have to say, well, maybe we don't have an idea about how DLC royalty payments are going to work, but you know what? We'll fucking figure it out. Like well, we'll just do it. <laughs> that's can... that's always like a really interesting thing to me about like um when I see when I see like stories in the news about a workplace being shuttered and a bunch of you know workers getting fucked over and you always see like comments on the news stories that are like oh where's this union now mm. it's like well you you need to talk to them you need to like like yeah. it's just this weird thing of like oh we had a you know we had a workplace with no union um none of us attempted to unionize we didn't talk to the union about what they could possibly do to help us or anything yeah we just had a completely union-free workplace and then when we collapsed we were like how come the union wasn't there the whole time and yeah. didn't save us from this i remember that happened around it's like the, um, that, be- that, uh... because yeah oh, sorry you you, aren't you kind of answering your own question <laughs> Like yeah, the union couldn't help you because you didn't unionize. You didn't fucking join. Like this, this happened around that Fairfax. You remember when the Fairfax people went on strike? Like yeah, and there was that all those people who were writing like scab columns, um, and one of them was like having this Twitter meltdown about like, oh, the media alliance has never done anything for me, and someone was like, are you a member? And they're like, of course not. And it was just <laughs> like, well, how how cool. weird then? How weird this membership based organization didn't didn't help you. Uh, but like, you know, that, that's such a thing, you know, like, and th- there are really two sides to that. And one is that a lot of people genuinely don't know that the union exists or what the union can do because they have a very hostile employer who works to keep them away from that knowledge. And the other people are just people who like cannot be bothered being part of it and, until it's too late, until they actually personally need help. Um, and certainly, any, if you talk to any union officer in the country, around the world, they'll have a story of someone who hated the union forever, but when the shit finally hit the fan, they were like, oh, can you help me? You know, that, there's some, like, in every workplace, there's someone like that. Um, and, you know, like, of course, the right answer is you help them if you can, because they're a potential union member now, and, you know, they're in trouble. Um, but a lot of the time, like, legally and industrially speaking, you can't help them, because it's mm. too late, and they should have been a member way before now that you would have actually had the power to help them um but yeah those people are out there and you know they the the thing then you know this is the thing a lot of people i the way i always describe it to people is you got to dream it and then you got to build it and then you got to defend it right like you you if you don't like something about your work then change it like you you have the power to change it you just have to decide what you want it to be and then get everyone to agree with you and then you can build it together um, and, and a lot of people don't like, we, we kind of accept, we learn from a very young age to accept the terms that are thrust upon us and we don't question them. But, you know, being a union member uh, is about saying, no, I'm not going to do it this way. I'm not going to do it that way. That's not good for me. That doesn't help me live a better life. I'm not going to do it your way. We're going to do it a different way. Like that's the fundamental core about what being a union member is all about. And it, it's, you know, it's a lesson that a lot of game developers in particular need to learn. Like, oh, the industry sucks. Well, fix it. Like, and no one's going to do it for you. It's got to be you. Like, if you love the industry and you want it to be sustainable, guess what? You got to fix it because fucking the CEO of EA is not going to fix it. Like, well, he's doing just fine. There's a weird uh, topical example of that kind of thing at the moment, which is the the government shutdown that's happening 
in the States mm. where um, I believe I believe it's prohibited there to um, to like incite other workers to to strike or do industrial action while the shutdown's happening. <laughs> that so would like surprise you, me. Yeah, so you can't actually like organize while it's happening. But it's yeah, it's it's remarkable because obviously all these people are in this precarious position of you have a job and you don't know when you're going to be able to work again and you're not getting paychecks or anything. Yeah. And they they have they have government staff that they can deem to be essential personnel who are then compelled by law to go in and work without pay. Mm. Um mm. and and yeah, what's interesting with that is like all of the all of the staff who work for like the TSA, like the airport, um, the airport staff and all that sort of stuff, all these different people. If if just all of them at the same time just said, Nope. Yeah. We're done. We're done. Nobody's coming into work until you guys sort this out. It would be sorted out like that day. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, because, because like, you know, the airports in the country would grind to a stop. And this is what we did, you know, like, this is what we did as societies like decades ago. Um, you know, we, we've like forgotten how now, and there's a lot of different reasons why that is, but like, you're exactly right. You know, we've, we've, we, we used to be able to just stop things until we got what we wanted, but we've forgotten how to do that. And, and <laughs> that's what we're trying to really build up is that, that memory of, you know, hang on a second we are the mechanism that powers society. So why don't we change society to what we want using that power we have, you know, but then, you know, you get to the Fair Work Commission saying you're not allowed to go on strike because it would cost too much money. Mm. Well, I saw, I saw people arguing about this in, um, I saw people arguing about this online where somebody was saying, oh, you know, all these people should strike and then, you know, the thing would get sorted out. And somebody replied, you know, oh, or they'd all get fired. You know, how's how's that help anybody if they all get fired by the government? And I just found myself thinking, like, does you know, do do you actually believe for a moment that the government would say, oh, we're just going to fire all government employees, all the employees of like the TSA? Yeah, just get rid of. I was saying, I was saying, like, like I said to this person, how long do you think it would take them to then go through the process of recruiting enough people to replace all of those people? training all of those people starting them all off at work again you're talking about weeks if not months before you could even do stuff like get your airports functioning again yeah with like people standing at the security scanners mm. and the reality is that you know if faced with that choice of you can you can sign some bills and open the government back up and get these people their paychecks or you can just not have government workers for these agencies mm. Mm they would have to go with the obvious one. Yeah, exactly. And, and that extends to any employer, like anywhere, you know, like, it, it, I think like the thing that a lot of game workers and, and, and all workers in general, I'm just all workers, except in the very, very unionized blue collar workers, I would think. Um, but generally it's like, there's this lack of understanding that like, you don't even need to formally join a union or to start taking collective action work. Like, you don't need to sign a form. You don't need to like even know who your union is to all get up and walk out of the fucking building when something happens that is wrong. Like that's been happening for literally 
hundreds of years, like mm. longer, uh, that kind of like mass, you know, worker movement. Uh, and and it, it's like, you don't need to wait for the union to come along. Like you and your mate and his mate, you can all just get up and walk out of the fucking building and you can shut the whole place down anytime you want. Like, you know, you don't, you don't need to wait around. Just, just do it. Like, but if you do that in a game studio though, where, where like there's real stuff on the line, how am I going to get titty <laughs> physics in mm. my copy of Dead or Alive? Oh, look, you know, I think uh, if you really cared about the game developers, Theo, you mm-hmm. would just put up with static hovering breasts like the rest of us. I will never put up with static titties. <laughs> That's right. All, this, all these advances in GPU physics and... We have to deal with titties that don't bob around. Look, that's not going to stand know, for it. Take one for the workers there. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of want to come back to that that stuff because I'm um, sort of saying because you're horny. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's <laughs> right. The, the, the tea physics. Yeah. Um, but like, how do they work? Well, very carefully. But the um, the thing like that that struck me as the parallel example that that maybe and and I'm I'm interested in your thoughts. Um, interested in your thoughts on this that maybe might be um a model that that may see some success um is i I feel like in the last two two or three years in america we've seen um a vast unionization of um of whole journalism um like floors basically whole offices of of of, um journalists in america um all very rightly unionizing because they've had absolutely shitty horrific conditions mm. while uh you know the whole whole thing goes out of business and and yeah. the person people at the top are, are thoroughly enriched the whole time um do you do you see that as like a as a parallel model that that may see some some traction in in um game dev yeah definitely like i think a lot of the small studios are definitely going to follow that model um like of just creating small local unions and you know then affiliating with a larger union um like the the model they have in america is very different you know to how it is here in terms of union shop and and you know union cards and and forcing the boss to negotiate and stuff is very different um but certainly i think what they're doing with places like vox union and and vice union and and there's like a thrillist union and all kinds of unions now like i mean i think game workers should be looking at that and saying you know we can fucking do this for sure like these are places that have not you know we're talking about young relatively modern online stuff very digital very flexible you know like stuff that wouldn't be considered your traditional blue collar union heartland and they're fucking doing it you know they're not waiting around they're doing it um, and it's getting results like it's making for more secure contracts it's making for better rates of pay it's making for like sexual harassers and abusers being turfed out um, or prosecuted, like it's it's getting results, you know. And I think game workers should be looking at that and, and taking notes. Did everybody uh, see the news about BuzzFeed today? Yeah, uh, the layoffs. Yeah, they're cutting fifteen percent of their workforce, and uh, yeah. yeah, I saw somebody saying uh, if you know if there's one takeaway from this, it's that you know any any CEO who ever says, oh, well, you know, we're not the kind of company that really needs to have a union. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring up don't, that like thing. Yeah, they don't give a fuck about you. No, the difference is they, they heely into the mo- to the meeting where they uh, fire everybody. Like, hey, like, what's up, <laughs> um, fellow cool people? Uh, get your shit and leave. 
I think from memory, I can't remember right now, but I think the BuzzFeed CEO like made a special emergency trip back from the uh, to the UK or something when the officers started talking about unionizing. Like he mm. jumped on his private jet and just like blasted over there at top speed to start talking about how unionizing wasn't very important or like, the sort hey, of thing. we'll get a table of fresh muffins. Hey. Yeah, just like we'll bring puppies into the office. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's that's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter. Everyone talks the same thing. Oh, yes, yeah, so this was in December 2016, just using the old, old search function on Twitter. But, like, you know, he's saying, oh, yeah, and you know, I don't think a union is in the best interest of BuzzFeed or employees or whatever. And it's like, cool, dickhead. Like, it, nothing changes, you know. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. The boss doesn't want you unionizing, like, because they know that that gives you control that they don't want you to have. And that's the bottom line. It's about control and power. And the fact of the matter is that when you unionize, you have power and the boss doesn't. And that's what they, they don't want that for obvious reasons. They so, hate that shit. So, uh, but you know, like you have that power anyway. It's just about whether or not you use it. That's what the workers need to understand. One crazy trick workers are learning that drives <laughs> bosses crazy. <laughs> um, all right. You would wear an onion on your bald spot to work. Bosses fucking hate that. <laughs> just the um, smell. God, yeah keeps the vampires away, doesn't it? Um, hey. Wrong shallots, the oh god. Mm. <laughs> I, I feel like the same chemicals present in all of them. Sure. It's probably mildly irritating to them, at least. That's right. Um, but so, so writing and posting this sort of thing on a gaming news site um, where people can... Uh, comment there's like a point so there's a point right and ben you, you're probably more au fait with this stuff but you write the article and you post it and mm -hmm. when you're scrolling down the screen there's a point when the um part where someone was professionally um paid to form opinions um research them uh write them down in a way that doesn't um seem absolutely nuts and then um, they post that on online, and there's a point where that that stops, but then the scroll bar keeps going. Mm. And what what's under that? If you can just describe that to to our listeners. Well, we took out the comment section, um, which I think was a great idea. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's only because all comments moved to Facebook now, uh, and it's. Not good. <laughs> like, like, occasionally. Like okay. as a rule. So generally, this I my experience would be somewhat different here because, I mean, you're writing an article about unionizing uh, that is on a thing read by gamers. And gamers, 90% of the time, have uh, hardcore libertarian politics and also brain disease. My yep. problem is yep. that... Uh, you're uh, writing articles exclusively about how Bigfoot is pan. Yes. Uh, to an audience of people that would much, much rather read about the royals spilling tea uh, about other royals. Uh, so most did, of the time... Did they spill some tea? Uh, I'm, I mean, probably. Uh, there, has there been royal beef? There's been stuff. I don't know. I, I'm at a very good... Do we have royals at the moment? There is like a bunch Case of them, of the and they're doing okay. shit all the time. Uh, but this has been the royal wrapper. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> royal <laughs> corner. There's been two. All right, actually, royal pain in my ass. Little sidebar. 
I saw two stories in the last week, which was obviously one where whichever of the old ass princes is still alive. Is it Philip? Prince Philip, yeah. Prince Philip crashed his car that he was driving. He's 980 years old. He's made entirely of psoriasis. He was dazzled by the sun. Just check the wiki, that's all right. Uh... (laughs) He was dazzled by the sun, and he crushed his he crashed his like four ton armored Land Rover. Uh, and then the other story I saw was that someone snapped the Queen driving. I believe this was a Range Rover uh, without a seatbelt on, but she was in the car by herself. Uh, <laughs> which I didn't know around. the Queen was allowed to drive. Who's uh, going to tell us you can't? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Uh, but anyway, sorry, that's the Royals sidebar. But uh, this the point has is, been Royal Watch. Most of the time, it's like someone just like replying to pedestrians saying, this is boring, and then I just reply, shut up, for the pedestrian account, and they get 150 <laughs> likes, and then they <laughs> quietly delete their account, uh, and it's Great. wonderful. But you probably had a very different experience, if you read the Actually, comments like- at all. The, the, uh, the, this one was actually kind of gratifying. So the comments themselves on the Polygon piece were not great. Um, but there was one guy on Twitter in particular who was like, oh, yeah, show me one industry that unions have <laughs> and was, then, that, like, was that where that tweet came from? I don't... I mean, I mean let's be honest, we all make a lot of tweets here. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> so, like, you'll have to narrow it down. Mm. But uh, this guy just got absolutely just fucking wrecked uh, by a bunch of people just swooping in uh, to point out all the various industries that unions, of course, have benefited. Um, and it was just delightful. But, you know, I think, honestly, like, the tide is turning on this issue, so the comments uh, are not as bad as they could have been. They mm. certainly weren't as bad as when I wrote about Steam, like, last year, and people were like, oh, so Steam is the reason there are rich and poor in the world. And I'm like, are you... What? <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you, like, bang your head in a car door on the way to your computer? I'm like, I don't understand how to engage with you. But, um, yeah, so, no, it, it actually wasn't super awful but there definitely are like a bunch of wacky dipshits in the comments who are like just you know like literally arguing that they don't care about the suffering of workers as long yeah. as the game's prices stay the same and, and, and they're like, released on time as well like, I sort of, like if this causes us to be like it to be uh, delayed by like a month then it's, it hasn't all been worth it I'm like just yeah. sh- shut up just shut up that really oh, you freaks me video out. games is it these people lose their mind about a game being delayed by a month when the passage of time is racing by in my life so fast that I'm constantly <laughs> terrified. Yeah. I will find myself being like, oh, it'll be nice when Blade Runner 2049 comes out. I'm like, oh, it was two years ago now. What the fuck? No, no, it wasn't. I still well, haven't seen it. A year and a half. Uh, it is incredible. It's, it's wonderful. watch it's Blade Runner 2049. There was no chance that it was going to be as good as it was, but it, mm-hmm. it is I, I keep having right. the same experience, Ben, of going, oh, that um, that album that just came out, and then I look and it's from, like, 2013. Yeah. Oh. And I go, oh, uh-huh. no. If, <laughs> if the year starts with 2-0, t- it's recent. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. That's it. I don't, we were I don't all adults at the time, and that's all that matters. Yes. I don't wish to hear any evidence to the contrary. I think maths is entirely subjective. It's probably the most subjective of the sciences. <laughs> it's true. Um, I don't think they've really nailed it down yet. No, the jury's still out on science in general. Um, and look, at, at this stage, 2013 was uh, yesterday to me. Hmm. And that's how it is. Hmm. Uh, I liked uh, Polygon posted a link to your article on Twitter. And I was looking at some of the replies and one of the people was like, no fucking way. I will do whatever it takes. Um, I will never join a union and I will do whatever it takes to protect my rights from them in the <laughs> workplace. And I was like... 
Uh, Why the fuck do you think you have rights in the workplace? How do you think you got any workplace rights in the first place? And, and also, if you're working, you know, 100 hours in a week, if you're working seven days a week for yeah. like 18 months in a row um, and you had to move across the country to get there and then at the end you will have nothing and you will be left with no severance pay, what rights exactly are you fighting to keep? There's a lot of people like in that particularly deranged bucket who just like they've got this idea that if, if their work is unionized, uh, you know, it's it's ruined their great dream of storming into the boss's office and flexing really wildly and getting a 5% pay rise above everyone else. If everyone like, else gets 5% pay rise, then I mean, that's just, yeah, like, I mean, just you're outrageous. just another one of the, the jackasses instead of yeah. the, uh, you know, genius captain of industry that you very must surely idea. be. Yes, and exactly correct, and and that's like, there's a, but so many people like that, and it's like, and I've had people tell that to me about my day job as well, you know, like you know I, I work for the the union that that handles like meat processing, um, and like if you think you can go into the boss's office and like you know show him a particularly like a uh, great bit of work you did on a joint on the cow, uh, and he just gives you a pay rise, you're a fucking lunatic. Like, you, you're a fucking moron. Like, it just does not happen. You know, but I've had people tell me, like, oh, you should be getting a 10% pay rise every year. And I'm like, what? How? Like, what? what? Oh, you know, if you've got skills, and then you should expect your pay to go up 10% every year. I'm like, sorry. I think, I think <laughs> like, the, the only times that that sort of thing, I think, is ever applicable is in the kinds of jobs where you can either, A, like demonstrate to them conclusively that you are making more money for them than somebody else would be otherwise um, and most people are not in a position in their job where you can actually like to be very rare well it's yeah it's like a lot of that sort of stuff is more for is more for like incentive based work like yeah. sales and all that sort of shit so things where you can really directly attribute income to the company to your performance yeah and and more often than not you know that that doesn't come with raises it comes with bonuses it comes yeah. with bonuses and those things are very very frequently um conditional mm. and so but this does kind of bring me back around to something that we did talk about when you were last on and you do kind of touch on in the article which is that you know there are a lot of people in the game development community who look at themselves as as theo was saying you know captains of industry and individuals and people who got there on their smarts and mm -hmm. their abilities and there is something about that that really there's something about the idea of banding together with other people in the workplace that challenges that idea for them. Oh yeah, very much um, so. Yeah, that challenges the idea that you know if you if you're all working together, and if you're all saying, "Hey, we are all of value to this company," then it's like you know all of a sudden you you're diminishing your own value by doing that. Yeah. Um, except as you're saying. Maybe that would be different if, if the reality was that you were a person who could walk into your boss's office and say, check out the fucking texture on the balls of this horse. <laughs> you shout in his face. Yeah. Um, you know, and he immediately says, oh, I'll give you a 20% pay rise. Just keep working on those balls. <laughs> um, 
cranking out the balls. Keep massaging those balls into ever greater states of fidelity. Mm. Um, but that doesn't really happen. No, like, it doesn't happen. Particularly in a lot of those environments where they work really, really hard for there to be no kind of standardized salary. They will actively like punish people for disclosing their salaries to mm. each other. Mm. Yeah. All of those things. So you could have yourself convinced, ooh, I went in there and I played hardball and I got this great rate. You don't fucking know if the person sitting next to you is making twice as much money as you. Exactly. And, you know, like that's that's one of the great advantages of like working in the like uh, blue collar fields of them, you know, when you have these these site wide agreements, you know exactly what everyone's getting. You know, like it really builds a sense of solidarity and, and comradeship because there's no um, there's there's no doubt at all about whether you're doing well or not. Like it it really makes you understand your place in the hierarchy of the organization. Yeah, as um, well. And you as don't well. have that in games or any other white collar work. It's all very hush hush and meritocracy driven. I think like Andrew touched, might have been Andrew touched on it on it earlier as well as like an, as a marginalized person working in games, you might have the uh, super mega mega shitty uh, experience like served up on on a platter. Um, whereas people under an EBA, like you said, you know that every, everybody's being paid the same thing. If you're in that position, you're, you're getting that paid, um, you know, because you're qualified to be in that position. If you weren't good enough to do that job, you wouldn't be in that position. And that goes doubly for, you know, people that are, that are marginalized who would be traditionally in a, uh, in, you know, a private kind of captain of industry kind of scenario paid less um, mm. due to either conscious or unconscious bias. Yeah, that's right. right. Like it is a net good for society. Uh, and it's, and, you know, I, I think, um, as as you've shown, you know, in a bunch of examples, it's a net good for the person in that um, seat as well, unless you happen to be in the boss's seat. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that, like, we I touched on the article, I used the phrase herd immunity, but, like, there are tons of studies showing that even if you're not personally a union member, like, having a strong union at your work site lifts the wages for everyone because, like the workers are acting collectively, even if you're not involved. Like, it's, it's, it works like a vaccination, you know. Like, if you have enough people doing it, everyone gets better and stronger. You don't... And obviously, you should join a union um, if there's one takeaway message. Uh, but, like, you know, even if you don't, you shouldn't be out there shitting on the union because just by the union being there, you benefit just from its nearby presence, like a fucking area effect. Um, and, and that's, I think, a really interesting point that a lot of, you know, diehard, wacky, libertarian... Meritocratists uh, don't want to like acknowledge is that you know even the very presence of a union nearby actually makes their job better even if they're not personally involved. Um, and, and you know I just think that was a really interesting point. Now we probably need to take some of our questions. Some of our questions from listeners. What do these listeners give you? Money every month? Disgusting. Not not these <laughs> not these ones. These are the. These are the uh, free listeners. Goddamn freeloaders. Could be, could be anyone. Could but, be. but the Patreons, I think, like a union, they make, um, they have an area of effect where they do make this show um, a lot better, I think. So mm. thank, thank you, the person that paid for this show. Well, I'm one of your patrons, so cheers. I'm not thank thanking no anyone. Hmm. Friend of the show, uh, Rob, patron, says, Tim. 
Any tips for beating the water temple in Ocarina of Time? I'm too <laughs> soft-brained for these dang puzzles. Man, the water temple fucking sucks. I'll tell you that much for free. Um, the water temple, uh, no, I don't. Because I remember even as a child, like, that being the one I always got stuck on. But one bit of advice is that when you come up against Shadow Link, just get out your fucking hammer. Use the hammer. Shadow Link doesn't have a hammer, so you can just whip the shit out of him with a hammer. And he's like, oh, no. And he just dies. And the other uh, thing I think uh, people get stuck on a lot is you want to raise the water level once and then go and check in the central tower. There's a block that floats up and it's got a small key underneath. And I think that's the key that people miss most often. Wisdom. Mm. Huh. Uh, let's see. Uh, friend of the show, Flashman, says, Tim, where should I take my wife on a date in Newcastle? Oh, well, great question. You shouldn't. You should go to Hamilton instead. Uh, <laughs> Hamilton is the suburb adjacent to Newcastle, and it's much nicer. And it has a lovely uh, wide uh, street with uh, dozens and dozens of lovely cafes and restaurants all scattered everywhere, and uh, it's extremely delightful. Hamilton, extremely highly recommended. Huh. There you go. Don't go to Newcastle. Uh, friend of the show. Now, look... This person has attached a postscript here, and I'm going to read that first, okay? Well, they say, by the way, Andrew, you've asked a few times how to pronounce my name. I've always said it as Sathius. Well, uh, so I've, al- I've already fucked up this person's name. Well, this is going to be episode. awkward. Because no, because you're here. fucking it up in the future because we recorded That's the right. bonus episode first. Uh, <laughs> Sathius, lover of the show. This is exactly like name the movie I Predestination. Get- Get ready for uh, two days from now when I fuck up your name on the bonus episode. (laughs) Sathia says, Hi, Tim. What is the best way to show support for the unionization of the games industry as a consumer? I ended up buying Red Dead Redemption 2 because I didn't want Rockstar employees to miss out on bonuses. That and I wanted the game, of course. But sometimes it feels like a losing situation each way. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, There there are quite a few ways. um, And certainly, like, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm judging them for being a scab or whatever if they buy um red dead redemption like you know you the, like if, if you're gonna draw lines on participating in the capitalist economic system you're gonna have a bad time um as our friend sonic the hedgehog tells us of course there is no ethical consumption under capitalism um but like there are definitely a number of ways that you, that you can support it i think the biggest way that um you can support any game workers just to start sharing these stories and, and you know, talking to your, your fellow gamers um, about exactly what the situation is like and, and not immediately leaping to the defense of these massive billion-dollar corporations that don't need you to white knight for them. Um, you know, take the side of the workers, start making their voices heard, you know, destroy the social media channels of these companies with their stories and with their examples. Um, and, and, you know, use the power you have as the consumer to, to make sure that the companies know this is the biggest issue that matters to you. Um, you know, we have a pamphlet out on, on our website um, at gameworkers.com.au and you can look on the resources page. We have some ideas about what people can do. But, you know, it, it's certainly just treat it like any other consumer issue. Write an angry letter, you know, share a story so like, um, you know, refuse to buy games if, if the industry actually calls for a boycott. Um just you know, treat it like a consumer issue, and you won't go far wrong. But like, it's it's not a problem to buy Red Dead Redemption. Um, I don't think anyone's going to get mad at you, and certainly we do want those developers to get those bonuses. Although, 
you know, not all the developers are going to get bonuses, only some of them, because Rockstar's a bad developer. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is the system, and we have to change the system, but for now, that's how it is. So, you know, don't worry about it, Sathias. Uh, keep doing your thing. Uh, we got uh, we got time for a couple more here. Friend of the show, Dominic, says, Could you please talk about that thing where the makers of Fallout New Vegas, uh, Obsidian Entertainment, missed out on bonus pay because the game's Metacritic score wasn't high enough because that's still one of the most atrocious fucking practices I've ever heard of. That's still going. That practice, that practice is, is ongoing. Um, you know, and, you know, like, I, I don't have a really insightful takeaway there other than that fucking sucks ass. Um, and, but what I can say is that that is the sort of thing that if you had a highly unionized studio would never fucking get signed. Like, any... Any game studio or studio filler developers should reject those kind of terms. Um, and the only way to have the power to reject those kind of terms is to unionize. Can I just mention that, that their, their threshold was a Metacritic score of 85? Mm. They got Fuck a Metacritic off. score of 84. Yes, that's right. I would burn the place down. Honestly, like that, that alone should be a catalyst for unionizing. <laughs> it's just like that's such a fucking raw deal. Um, but you know, that's like, that's how it is in the industry. And it has, it has continued that there are plenty of like contracts now that need a 90 Metacritic score, like 90, you know, like that's pretty fucking rare. Um, and that's because, you know, I mean, we can go to a whole nother kettle of fish about why the whole review score system Metacritic is bad, but the fact that Metacritic exists and is used as a, as a, as a benchmark for awarding people food that they might need to buy, sorry, money to buy food or medicine is really bad um but the only way that game developers are going to have the power to change that is if they all unionize like because it doesn't matter to the publishers they're gonna they're gonna use they're gonna dangle that carrot and and hit you with the stick anyway so you know once again we there really is only one way forward and it's to stand together and say fuck you hmm. uh sweet precious lover of the show connor says tim as someone who stopped working in the game industry largely because of my poor experience with employers and colleagues who were socially backward libertarians resistance to change in the workplace, I ask, what strategy do you suggest to get socially backward libertarians resistance to change in the workplace on board with organizing or even actively working to enforce the minimum legal conditions we already have? Uh, yeah, look, that's the, that's the fucking million dollar question, isn't it? Um, that's... I've been working to organize game workers for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half now. And it is like, there are plenty of people, everyone has a different angle, right? And this is true for any kind of organizing work. Everyone has a different angle that works for them. You know, you, you might find, you'll, you'll find that same attitude even in blue collar work. Like I know a ton of people in various meat processing plants in my patch who have that attitude. Um, everyone has an angle that works for them and it's just a matter of finding it. Like as difficult as it is to become friends with someone who's a libertarian who doesn't care about the fact that poor people are starving to death, like they are not going to listen to a head on approach and you have to kind of work away at them and come at them from a more friendly or, or emotionally driven angle that makes them understand the suffering that other people are going through. Um, and, and trying to get them to empathize with it. Like it's the traditional organizing tactics don't work on those people because they are just not willing to see any connection between themselves and others. So you have to build the connection first. And that's the hard part. 
Um, so the answer is to your question, it, it's, it is fucking hard. Um, and those people are very frustrating to deal with. But it, they're not unwinnable. It just takes time because they're much more removed from the necessary mindset that others have. And for a final question uh, from a friend of the show, Michael. Uh, Michael asks, Tim, are you against loot boxes? And if so, why do you hate artistic expression? Oh, I just hate art so much. <laughs> Fuck art. Every time I see a loot box, I just, I think my kid could do that. <laughs> um, but uh, in fact, my kid would buy that because loot boxes are gambling, and I'm very much against them. I, I don't, you know, like personally, I think loot boxes are gambling. They're awful, um, and and I wish game developers would just get rid of them. But because they are gambling, they make tons of money, so game developers don't want to get rid of them. But I like it's it's one of those things where I have seen some people argue that game the loot boxes are necessary because they help provide like long tail profits to studios so they can employ more people. Um, this is a kind of specious argument. Like, obviously, you want people to be employed, but if the circumstances under which the money for their employment is gained are pretty fucking questionable, you know, that that's, that's really on the workers to stand up and say, look, we don't want our industry to be like this. You know, like, at some point in time, workers have to say, like our industry is doing a bad thing and we have to, we're not going to be a part of it. And, that, you know, like whether that's like continuing to use like coal driven energy as the planet incinerates around us or whether that's like, you know, the coast guard, like throwing refugee children into the sea. Like at some point you have to say, okay, yes, these people will need jobs, but the jobs they are doing are actively bad. And we have to figure out a way to kind of, use our collective power to disengage. And, and I certainly think that's something that the game developing community should be doing with loot boxes is like, you know, when they do get the unionization efforts off the ground saying like, listen, we're not, we're going to all stand together and say, we're not going to be a part of this exploitative practice anymore that, that, you know, readies children for a life of gambling. Like, hmm. and, and I think that's something that, that that's a conversation that people need to be having because yes, it does provide long tail profits. It, it does keep people employed. But let's be real, the vast majority of those profits are not going towards wages. And secondly, uh, you know, if you're getting those profits by teaching people to gamble, then that money is tainted and it's probably not good. There you have it, folks. There you have it. Gambling, it's bad. He hates art. Man I hate hates art. art. <laughs> so, well, I hate um, it. Thanks very much for being with us, Tim. You're very welcome. We Always really will. appreciate it. Uh, of course, people can check out that piece on Polygon. Um, they can find Tim on Twitter at Burgerdrome. Um, and where else can they find your your writing and such? Um, I, I, that's about it. But I, I would plug um, Game Workers Unite, which is what you know the organisation that I'm working with at the moment. Um, and that is you can find us the Australian version at GameWorkers.com.au. Or you can find the international chapter, um, international kind of umbrella organisation at GameWorkersUnite.org, um, and you know that's come and join us, join the mailing list, etc. If you're a game developer, um, we will be active this weekend. Although I don't know when the podcast is going out, so if you hear the podcast, Monday. travel back to Friday, uh, and then travel to the Global Game Jams in Sydney and Melbourne, where your time traveling body will be met by us who will be active on the ground at these events and, and holding little workshops and stuff. And um, if you are a game developer, 
and you have questions and about what you're entitled to, you actually are entitled to minimum rates and conditions. Uh, they do exist. We can tell you about them. So, so come and say hello and uh, we'll do what we can to help you out. Well, uh, and of course, if you are a game developer in a, in a studio and you're trying to unionize, then get in touch. Get, get in, in touch. touch with them. There's, look, there's chapters all around the world. So just fucking just reach out. Alrighty. Uh, ben, we haven't heard much from you today. Would you like to leave us with a, a positive and or meditative thought? Oh. Um, have a nap this week. Even if you're not normally a napper, uh, just let yourself drift off. Don't even necessarily have a sleep. I just want you... It's going to be fucking hot as shit on whatever day you have off. Find somewhere comfortable to lie down. Uh, just don't do anything. Just close your eyes. Drift off if you can. If you can't, just, just sort of let just your doze. Settle just a dozing. Bit. Yeah, give yourself a couple of hours, and don't fucking be like, oh fuck, you know, I'm gonna half an hour and then back to it. Don't do that. Don't plan anything after it. Just fucking give yourself that little time to just really, really, really switch off. It'll bit do of a siesta. You, do you some good? Yeah, siesta. And plus, because you can't fucking sleep at night. Anyway, because of this shitty heat, you may as well try and get some sleep during the day. Yeah. Uh, as always, folks, you can support the show and keep it ad-free and all that kind of jazz and get an extra episode every week by going to patreon.com forward slash Vista and subscribing, if that's what you're into. If not, it's fine. It's no big deal. We don't feel personally rejected. None of us are going to cry in bed tonight. Uh, some of us might. Well, I mean, it, won't I be about that. it won't be about that. Different, different, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just standard bedtime practice. Yeah, just regular bed practice. I mean, how else are you going to get tired enough salt. to go to sleep? So, <laughs> so uh, thank you again, Tim. You're very uh, well. You were now tired. You're now tired for most appearances. So, yes. you know, you might be able to get it, get over that line this year. You know. Oh, I'll look forward to it. Well, you know, Matt and I live in the same, or work in the same city. Yeah, so, go, you know, on, go like on over he, there and get a uh, get a baton and like just smack him in the in the knee. Yeah. Take him out of the game. <laughs> All right, I'll do it. Get him in his podcaster's knee. Yourself, Matt. <laughs> uh, so shout out to Matt V. Brady, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. See you. See you.